Now, when you think about the life of Peter, you know, there are three times in just three years that things changed drastically for Peter. He faced a series of crises. First, he had met the Messiah, the one who had been promised for so many centuries. And he'd given up his fishing business. He traveled with him and watched him and learned from him. He spent about three years with the Messiah and with the other disciples. Then after those three years, there was a second crisis. His life changed again. Jesus went to Jerusalem where his enemies were waiting for him. And the cheers that welcomed him on Palm Sunday did not last. Things kept happening so fast. Jesus was arrested in the darkness. Peter had tried to defend him, but Jesus had told him to put that sword down. And Peter and the other disciples had disappeared into the night, just abandoning Jesus to the guards and the soldiers. Peter had then followed quietly, went going into that area outside of the place where Jesus was being tried. But there, so close to Jesus, he had denied three times that he even knew Jesus. And they kept continuing. On Sunday morning, some of the women had brought news that they had seen Jesus resurrected. They'd seen an angel before that, telling them that Jesus wasn't in the tomb. Peter and John had rushed to the tomb to see for themselves, and they found it open and empty. Peter was confused. He didn't know what to think. Then on Sunday evening, that crisis continued. Peter was hiding from the enemies of Jesus, and the doors were locked. He knew that something out there in Jerusalem was happening. He wasn't sure what. It would make sense to believe that the enemies of Jesus, now that they'd gotten rid of Jesus and all the trouble he was causing, would next come after his disciples. And then there was a third big change. On that evening of Easter, suddenly everything changed again. Many years later, the same Peter would write what we just heard, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Something that happened on that evening of Easter Day had lifted Peter out of his fear and out of his confusion. Something had made him bold and confident, able to bear witness to Jesus Christ, who had risen. So the crucifixion had caused a crisis in the life of Peter and the other disciples. 
A crisis can bring out the best in people. It can also bring out the worst in people. When Karen's little hometown of about 1,500 people flooded back in 1997, people from town and from around there just came out to lay sandbags to, to block the water from coming in. For some of those people, their homes had already flooded, but they were out there working side by side with their neighbors to save their homes. Some people who were there working side by side had not spoken to each other for years. Something had set them against each other, and suddenly that all seemed, whatever it was, to be so insignificant. On the other hand, after the flood, some people who had been friends were now, for whatever reason, at odds. Things happened. A crisis can bring out the fear and the insecurity and the selfishness. Or the crisis can bring out confidence, faith, and neighborliness. Sunday evening, Peter and the other disciples were in the middle of a crisis situation. Jesus had been killed. They might be next. And suddenly there was Jesus standing right them with them in the middle of their crisis. And he said to them, Peace be with you all. Shalom, Aleichem. Peace for their fear and for their confusion. Peace in the middle of an unpeaceful world. Peace regardless of the bickering and the fighting and the selfishness and the hatred and the killing. Peace where sin is causing so much damage. In the middle of the crisis, Jesus is risen to bring forgiveness into a world of sin and to bring life into a world of death. Jesus, crucified and now risen, is there reason for a living hope, for a confidence that will last forever? Jesus is the reason to know that they have an inheritance from God himself that is imperishable. That means it's never going to go away. It's undefiled. It means there's nothing impure in it. It's not defiled by our sins, our, our greed, our selfishness. It's unfading. It's always going to be strong, full of life. That inheritance from God, for those who trust him, is being kept in heaven. The enemies of Jesus cannot take that away. Not back then and not right now. So on the evening of his resurrection, Jesus appeared alive again and well and gave them the assurance of their sins being forgiven and giving them the promise of life so that their hearts and their minds could be at peace. Then Jesus told them to unlock the doors, go out, and tell other people. 
Because people on that other side of the door, they also needed that assurance and they needed that promise. Jesus said, as the Father sent me, even so, I am sending you. What Jesus had brought for the disciples, now the disciples could go and bring out to people on the other side of the door. Go, get out there. For the people who are scared and lost and confused and bring the message from heaven to set them free. Jesus was giving them an impossible job. And God the Father had given Jesus the task of coming to earth and being crucified and rising. Jesus could do that. Now for the disciples to go outside the doors and bring that good news, that would be impossible for them on their own. Even after spending all of those years learning from Jesus and watching him. But they were not going to be on their own. Jesus gave them the gift of the Holy Spirit to be with them, to prepare them to speak boldly and lovingly about what they'd seen in Jesus. The Holy Spirit was able to change them from disciples who were cowering, hiding, frightened, and confused into apostles who are bold, confident, and compassionate. Never underestimate the work of the Holy Spirit as he works through the Word of God in people's lives. You know, maybe I shouldn't tell this, but I'm going to. There's a, a pastor I know, and very capable, very competent. You'd never know what, I, what he told us was true. But when we were at Bible camp, he was telling some of the guys about how the first time he had stood in the pulpit to preach in front of people. And the pastor was there, but he was filling in. He was just a teenager. And he got up, he was in the pulpit, things were going okay, then he started getting a little shaky, a little bit wobbly. Next thing you know, he completely blacked out and passed out. Okay, that's where God worked with him. Today he can stand boldly and confidently talking about Jesus from the pulpit or on the sidewalks or in people's homes, it doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit is working in us, changing us, equipping us. So what's impossible for us is not impossible for the Holy Spirit working in us. Because that Holy Spirit was not just limited to the disciples or to the apostles and, or other eyewitnesses. Same Holy Spirit who's working in the Bible, who worked in their lives, is working in your life too. Calling you to faith. You couldn't even trust Jesus without him. Confronting your sins. Comforting you with forgiveness. Gathering you for worship. Freeing your tongue to speak God's word with both truth and love. For Peter then and for us now, the message still stands. On the outside of that door, people can be born again. They can be baptized by God himself with that water combined with God's own word. Brought into that living hope of a living Savior. Given a hope that is sure and certain. 
The message is given, entrusted to us, to all of God's people. A message that because of the crucified and risen Christ, your sins are no longer held against you. Not today and not on Judgment Day. You can be forgiven. Repent of your sins. Trust what Jesus did for you. Because of Christ, your death can no longer hold you. But you can be raised to life forever on an earth that will be made new. Because of Christ, you are a child of God and have an inheritance from heaven. An inheritance of forgiveness and life, of trust and peace. None of this gives any of us freedom to go ahead and sin. It does not give you the freedom to lie, to cheat, to bicker, to have a quick temper, to kill, so much, all those other things. You are free to repent of those things, to admit them to God transparently and openly, to put them in the past, to know that those things have been taken off of you and added to the burden that Jesus willingly carried with him to the cross. He wasn't going to leave those things weighing you down. Christ has taken them and raised you to a life made new. So for Peter and the other apostles and for us, there are still trials and struggles and troubles to get through in this world. Look at Peter. He would be beaten and jailed and ordered to quit telling people about Jesus. According to sources that we have outside of Scripture, just historical accounts, though we don't know if it's, an, if it's true or not, it's not reliable like Scripture is. But according to those stories, Peter would see his own wife being executed because she would not give up Jesus. And according to an, another story, Peter would actually be crucified upside down. Even knowing that ahead of time, that would not have stopped Peter. The Holy Spirit had changed his life. Through it all, Peter and the other disciples trusted Christ. Anything that enemies would do to Peter would only make his faith stronger. In every time of need, he would rely on his Savior. And finally, when his time on earth is done, we can know that he would enter into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading. Jesus had changed Peter's life. Peter had also, or Jesus had also changed the lives of those other people who had locked themselves behind that door. That evening, there was one person who was also very important, who needed next Sunday to come so he could see Jesus too. We don't know where Thomas was on that Easter evening, but he was there the next Sunday evening, a week later. Thomas, who doubted. Thomas, who was a skeptic. Thomas, who we know from the rest of Scripture, was deeply, deeply devoted to Jesus. Because that next Sunday did come, and Peter, or Thomas saw Jesus with his own eyes. Thomas then was also sent out through that door and into a world to tell people about the resurrection. You know, when the Portuguese explorers 
left Portugal and sailed around Africa and came to the west coast of India, they found people there who'd already heard about Jesus. According to their history, there was a man named Thomas who had been a disciple of Jesus who had traveled there and was telling them all those years before about Jesus. So when the Portuguese came, they weren't bringing Christianity for the first time. They were bringing the word again to people who already had that word, already loved Jesus and already trusted him. According to what they said, that's where Thomas had gone. And then, while Jesus was talking to Thomas, he was also talking about you. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So on those two Sunday evenings, the risen Jesus brought his word of peace, of shalom. His word of peace for you. So that when you are struggling against sin and feel its weight bearing down on you, you can hear from Jesus, I forgive you all your sins. Jesus can say that because everything that you deserve and your sins deserve, Jesus took to the cross with him. His word of peace is for you. So that when you struggle against feelings of worthlessness, and confusion, and doubt, you can hear from Jesus himself that he baptized you. The Father claims you as his child. The Holy Spirit is with you. And Jesus does not regret going to the cross for you and rising for you. This is Jesus. and He never, ever gets it wrong. His word of peace is for you so that when you're struggling with fear, you can hear from Jesus, because I live, you too will live. This is Jesus, who's gone to prepare a place for you. And in the meantime, while you're here, he is with you still, always, even to the end of the age. This is the word that we cannot keep to ourselves. This is the word the disciples couldn't keep to themselves. This is the word the frightened disciples received from Jesus and then took with them out on beyond that door. The word of God changed them. And the word of God changed this world. So crisis. Jesus was certainly in crisis during that holy week during his arrest, his trial, his crucifixion, crisis really exposed what was inside Jesus. The stress, remember, knowing in all the details what was going to happen to him in the next few hours, that stress caused him to pray so intensely that his blood was mixed in with his sweat. During his trial, his torture, his execution, we see his dignity, his faithfulness, his compassion. People mocked him, and he loved them. People betrayed him, and he kept the faith. People lied and accused him, and he forgave. People hated him, and he had compassion for them. We see the character of God clearly while Jesus was hanging from the cross. 
Any crisis that we face is also an opportunity to show the character of God, to show his work in us, to show his forgiveness and his love and his life. Not that we can do it perfectly, but we can still reflect the mercy and the grace of Jesus. And if that crisis brings out something that you do not like in yourself, remember, your Savior is not disappointed in you. He has not finished doing his work in you. Crisis is a time for faith to grow stronger as we rely more and more on the wisdom and the strength of our Savior. This is Jesus that we're talking about. He did not scold his disciples when he appeared. He loved them. He reassured them. He gave them what they needed. They needed peace. He brought them peace. They needed forgiveness. He gave them forgiveness. They needed his love. He gave them his love. And he unlocked those doors for them. They had been given so much. Now it was time to go and give it. They could live not weighed down by fear or guilt, but they could go boldly in faith, trusting Jesus Christ who had risen for them. And we can trust Jesus Christ because he is risen for you and for me. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ, for everything he was willing to go through, knowing fully what it was going to entail to save us. Father, thank you that he was willing to do it, and he looked back, or he looked ahead at it, and looked back at it, and was satisfied. Because through what he had done, there could be forgiveness for sinners, and there could be life for those who face death, and there could be wisdom and strength to help us under the assaults of evil. Thank you for Jesus, crucified and risen. Thank you, Father, that he appeared to the disciples and someday he's going to appear to us and we will see him face to face. In the meantime, Father, thank you for your word so we can know what you say to us. And thank you, Father, for the work of the Holy Spirit who works on us in ways that we can't even see and usually are not aware of. But thank you. So, Father... Continue your good work through crises and through times that are calm and even and steady. Do your work in us and use our voices, use our lives to show you and how good you are, to show your mercy and your love and your honesty to the people in this world because we all need you. We all need a Savior. And the only Savior is Jesus Christ, your Son. In his name we pray, amen.